Can't find my sheet. Can't find my sheet. Can't find my sheet. Can't find... My God, I really can't find my sheet. Oh, here it is. Look, here's the lowdown on the Penguins offseason. They lost in the second round of the playoffs. The team that beat them won the Stanley Cup, and the Pens and Caps were a competitive series. Six games, very close. Hardly embarrassing. So we can't conclude that the Penguins are not falling apart and that the window is still open. The five most important players on the team are Crosby, Malkin, Murray, Latang, and Kessel. They are all coming back. The next five most important players are Dumoulin, Hornquist, Gensel, Mata, and Schultz. They are all coming back. And there's Broussard and young guys like Sprong and Zach Astonry, so it is not a dire situation. To repeat, the window is still open. So I don't get all the hand-wringing and temple massaging over who the number five defenseman is or who the fourth line is composed of. You got the best one-two punch and center in the team in the sport's recent history. You got a two-time cup winner in net. The Muppet got 10 goals in the playoffs. The Chunky guy got 92 points. That's all coming back. What are you worried about? Jack Johnson getting five years bugs you? The price bugs you? A, that's the going rate. B, it's maybe one year too long. C, it's not your money. And D, what's it to you? Why can't you just be fans? Why can't you just trust and believe? I'll tell you why. Because social media makes everybody think their opinion counts. Your opinion does not count. You don't get a dime for it. Zero dimes. My opinion counts. I get paid for it. Many dimes. Oh, wait. You got a blog? Oh, gee, my mistake. You're a friggin' expert. You are. That's right. That's right. Bonham did sick again when I saw him in Cleveland. Didn't do it Wednesday. They cut out the middle section a whole lot of love. They're not going to do sick again. Sick again brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. I just can't believe the vitriol over the Jack Johnson deal. He's better than Ian Cole. He's physical. He's going to be motivated. All they need him to be is a number five defenseman. Why would you think he couldn't do that? Why would you think Jack Johnson can't be a good number five defenseman? There is no way for this signing to hurt. I love the excuses, the reasons people try to foist on me for it being a bad signing. Well, he's 31. When they got Schultz, he was 26. He's 31, Jack Johnson. Okay, but they made the signing for right now. He's not too old right now. Oh, he had a bad year last year. Yeah, he was plus 26 the year before that. Will the real Jack Johnson please stand up? Maybe it's the Jack Johnson from two years ago. Maybe that's the guy who shows up in Pittsburgh. The Ian Cole story in Pittsburgh is amazing. Never has a fringe guy developed such a following and even more so after he left. We're going to talk to Jason Mackey, the Post-Gazette at 4.15. Always good to talk hockey with Mackay. This just in, Tom McMillan, we talked about, went to Gettysburg. He's a Civil War buff. He went to Gettysburg for the 100th time. Uh, it's the anniversary of the battle, the 1st through the 4th, and he's going to kill somebody in one of the reenactments. The police department up there has given him 
a carte blanche to do so. And uh, Tom just tweeted, honored to receive the 2017 Batchelder Coddington Literary Award for Gettysburg Rebels for the, quote, work that most significantly contributes to knowledge of the Gettysburg campaign, unquote. So congratulations to Tom McMillan. It, it is a real good book. It, it's about uh, guys who were born in the North but fought for the South at Gettysburg. Not sure quite how that... Uh, I read the book, but I, I'm old. I don't remember what happened, you know, 15 minutes ago. But uh, now my book... Uh, Rick Flair to be the man was considered for the same award, but uh, had nothing to do with Gettysburg. And that really hurt its chances. New York Times bestseller, though, baby. Eight weeks, and you can't teach that. Let's go to Joe in North Hills. Joe, you're on with Double M. Good day, Mr. Brown. Good day. Hey, um, you were mentioning a moment ago that the only negative you could really look at is the Johnson trade with the length of the contract. Johnson signed. Um, I thought that initially, but then here was my thoughts. Let's say Rutherford signed him for maybe three or four years. Don't you think we'd have to pay him more per yes. year? Yes, I, I said that yesterday. It's, my, right, I, I it's it. my understanding that giving him term brought the price down a little bit, which of course helps the Penguins in terms of the salary cap. Exactly, and now you may be able to go out and get someone like a Kunitz or someone with I that get, extra I million. I want to get Antoine Roussel. We're going to talk about that with Makai. Antoine Roussel, most recently a Dallas, good penalty killer, physical, a little bit dirty, but I like it a little bit dirty. Uh, so that's who I'd like to see him get. Makai, I think, is working for Kunitz's agent, so he'll probably campaign for Kunitz when he joins me at 415. And, like, in five years, they're not going to be very good. In five years, they'll probably be carrying a couple bad contracts. But you sign the guy for now. And to sign him for now and spread out the cap, you needed to give him five years. Let's go to Dylan and Wex for Dylan. You're on with these super genius. Hey, bro. Hey, man. I'm a Teddy, I'm a Teddy Luger fan, but... I know they drafted him like six years ago. Do you think this is kind of like a make it, make it or break it year? Like, if he doesn't get caught up, do you think they might be seeing him as more valuable? Like, I think or- Teddy Luger's already passed make it or break it. I mean, what level do you expect him to make? I mean, like a fourth line. Uh, well, I think you could always be a fourth line center. And Jim Rutherford said that Teddy is ready to be a fourth line center. I don't think he'll ever rise above that in the league. And here's the role I expect him to take this year. You know, he could be the fourth-line center if they do trade Derek Broussard. But I expect that Teddy will be the guy who goes back and forth between Wilkes and Pittsburgh uh, based on injuries. I do not expect him to be a regular in the league. Honestly, I'll be surprised if he ever is a regular in the league. Like the role that JSD played last year, I think Teddy Bluger will fulfill this year. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Up next, the Hockey Talk continues we got jason mackey of the post gazette i'm getting tweets now like you knew i would oh you said women's football stinks you're sexist yeah that's why i have Susie mcconnell serio on the show that's why i have megan klingenberg on the show that's why i have lauren williams on the show because i'm sexist and don't believe in women's athletics all the sports i just mentioned whether it's bobsledding track soccer basketball Women have proven viable in that in terms of being attractions. 
people wanting to watch. They play the game well, and people want to watch it. Women's football, they stink at it, and no one wants to watch it. What more do you need to know? I mean, women don't grow up playing football. They just don't. I have no idea why women out of the clear blue sky at, at a relatively advanced age athletically want to play football, and they can do it. Nobody's stopping them, but absolutely no one wants to watch it. When that passion team, whatever they're called, when they play, no one shows up but family and friends. No one wants to watch it. 412-333-9939. Makai up next, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. They're going to nail us no matter what we do, so we might as well have a good time. Toga, toga. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. It's time to talk hockey. Joining me now to do it from the Post-Gazette, it's Penguins writer Jason Mackey. Uh, Makai, what's your take on the impending Jack Johnson deal? It might be a year too long, but otherwise it's really the going rate, isn't it? It really is, Mark. It really is. And if you look at the end of the deal, the salary cap's going to be a lot different. Um, I think Jim Rutherford deserves the benefit of the doubt, everything that he's done. I think Sidney Crosby deserves the benefit of the doubt. I mean, they're not making this move just because of Sid, that he did have something to do with it. And if he comes to you and says, hey, I think we should add this guy, and it makes sense, which I think it does, I don't know how you don't listen to Sid. And so I like it. I don't understand how many people are bashing it right now. Just give it a chance. Well, it's all the Twitter geeks and the -the below-the-line media guys. And I I like it because I see it for what it is, Mackay. I mean, He's a bottom pair guy. Maybe he can play in the second pair. And I think for that, he's fine. I mean, you tell me, where do you see Johnson fitting? I think they would like him to play with Justin Schultz. Uh, They're not going to force it. I think they would be just fine if he was on the third pair with Jamie Alexiak. But I think ideally, they want him in the top four. And I think that was part of the selling point to Johnson, that he would be given a very good role. Um, I, I personally think he's capable of handling that. Look at who he was on the ice with. In Columbus, it is markedly different than Crosby, Kessel, Malkin. Uh, he's going to get a very good role here. Well, I like the idea of him playing with Schultz. We talked about that uh, yesterday on the show because if he plays with Schultz, then Mata plays with Alexiak. That kind of balances those pairs out, and you can roll 6-D and do what they've been talking about, play Latang less. Absolutely, absolutely, and I, I think it's smart on the Penguins' part to realize that. Um, you know, Monday, Rutherford was talking about this in his office and, and sort of saying, you know, I don't know, three, four years ago it was different with Chris. He would be better the more minutes he played, and I think that theory has changed. Um, they won his minutes around 24 a night, and I totally understand why. And their, par- their third pairing, if you have, you know, Chad Ruido and Jamie Alexiak, you can't use those guys 18 or 19 minutes. But if it's Ole Mata and Jamie Alexiak or, or Jack Johnson and Jamie Alexiak, I would feel fine using those guys 18, 19, even 20 minutes a night. You know, it's funny with Oli, because I think he had a real good season this past year. But even last year, they, they relied on him to carry, mostly, whoever the weakest defenseman was. And no offense to Alexiak, because if he's your weakest, you're pretty good. But it looks like that might be his lot again this coming year. Yeah, but like you're saying, in a third-pairing role, I'm absolutely fine with Oli Mata and Jamie Alexiak. I mean, I would sit them down and... and, and... You know, I don't want to say conservative, but 50-50 chances, you're certainly going to not give up anything, you know, not sell the farm. That's what you have your top two pairs for. And I like having Jamie Alexiak in the lineup. I really think it's important to have what he brings. I don't want six guys like that, but if my six is, is that way, I'm fine with it. And I think Chad Ruido is a terrific seven. 
too. So, I mean, this really helps. Rutherford's talked about this a lot this offseason, but balancing out the pairs. And as long as Jack Johnson works the way I think he's going to, I think you think he's going to, they'll be fine. Now, Johnson is physical, and Johnson is also very visibly competitive. Do you think the Penguins felt they needed a little bit of both? Yeah, I think they did, and I think they lost that with Ian Cole. Um, not, you know, somebody that's going to run around like Ryan Reeves or, or maybe run around isn't even the right term, but somebody to finish a few hits. And look at their defense core. I mean, it's not a lot of guys who, who do or, or should be hitting a whole lot. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, I know that they sort of used Crosby and picked his brain a little bit as far as what kind of shape Jack Johnson is in and, and kind of where his head's at and having to prove it and feeling like a, a lot of people kind of buried him prematurely. So I think they think that his competitiveness is going to be at an all-time high and that he's in really good shape and he's going to be able to handle it. Now, the fancy stats aren't kind to Jack Johnson, but you can't really transplant those metrics from team to team. Now, I don't always like Johnson's gap control, but you can fix that. I'm just not looking too much at the fancy stats. No, I'm not either, Mark. I'm not either. And, you know, if we would have looked at the the Matt Hunwick fancy stats going from Toronto to Pittsburgh, they probably would have painted a pretty picture. Um, and it was, as it was, it wasn't a fit and it was very, very ugly. So I think a lot of it is, is personality driven is, is how motivated a guy is and who he likes in the locker room and how he's brought in and how he comprehends things. So I understand the analytics and I'm not trying to, you know, bash it because I think part of it is very important, but I just, it can't be everything. You know, you have to factor in the human element here. And I think that's an important part of this trade. Now, uh, you wrote that the Penguins are looking for a bottom six winger. Who are the leading candidates in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I think in a perfect world, they'd love to get Michael Grabner, but this isn't a perfect world, and they're not going to get Michael Grabner. Yeah, he's uh, too expensive. He's really a right wing, yeah. too, isn't he? He is. He's a right wing. And, and think about this, Mark. I mean, if you're Michael Grabner, why would you possibly come to Pittsburgh with Daniel Sprong, Phil Kessel, and Patrick Hornquist ahead of you on the depth chart, and neither of those guys can play the other side for a lick? So, uh, and, you know, not only that, he's going to make a lot more money elsewhere. So, uh, you know, I wrote something yesterday, and this isn't based on, like, the Penguins checked on these guys or anything like that. But, you know, if I were them, I'd be looking at uh, Tobias Reeder was one that, that I think would be a really good fit, Antoine Roussel, Patrick Maroon. I think the, the overriding sort of characteristic that I think these guys offer, they're just a little bit different. They need somebody who's a bit of a jerk, can add some jam, grit, that sort of stuff into their game. They have a lot of skilled, fast, smaller guys. You just need a little bit of an outlier, I feel like. No, I agree, and I kind of like Russell because I think he has maybe the most edge of the guys you mentioned, and that would be useful against Washington. And you got to look at what works against Washington, Mackay. I think Jacko helps against Washington. I think Russell would too. Yeah, if the only thing that worries me about Russell is he's kind of like, you know, a crap disturber, uh, to, to use the PC term, and, you know, he's going to dust up some stuff and then, Alexiak's really the only one to finish it. Um, I do like Maroon just for his ability to play the left side. He showed he can play with some skilled players. I mean, who knows? Maybe he clicks with Broussard, but I do think they have a couple options out there, Mark. That's, you know, they're around two million bucks, maybe a little bit south of that number. Um, they're going to have some guys to be, to be hunting around on, on Sunday, even if they're not Michael Grabner. We're talking to Jason Mackey, the Post Gazette here on the home of the Penguins, 105.90 X. Uh, People like to say, oh, move Hagelin to free up cap space. But that's not easy when the guy is overpaid. Don't get me wrong, I think he helps. But I think given production, he's overpaid. 
I'm surprised it was so easy to move Sherry and Unwick. I agree. I agree. Although, I, you know, I, I did kind of discount the, like, Buffalo side of this trademark. Like, I, I saw it initially, and I thought, like, Jason Botterill just did the Penguins a solid and took these guys on. But if you have Rasmus Dahlin coming in there, like, Matt Hunwick is a good person and can kind of help him transition. I, I think Sherry can do some good if playing with good players. Um, so I, I don't think it's completely awful. But, you know, the the Penguins, they just have too many guys for those spots. You know, that's, that's just the way the calculus of this thing is working. How will Penguin fans remember Connor Sherry? Uh, to coin a phrase, he had great moments but lousy hours. <laughs> I've never heard that one, but that is solid. I like that. Um, yeah, that would be appropriate. I think Penguins fans will remember him for winning two cups, for scoring some big goals and having some key moments. But at the same time, I know me, I'm probably going to remember him for being just snake-bitten sometimes and then really, really down on his luck, the, the four goals in 44 regular season games. And honestly, his postseason, the, the past two really, the first one was good, but the past two have, have been really lousy. And, and so I think that kind of hurt him too. But I don't, overall, I don't see how, if you're a Penguins fan, you can sit here and bash Connor Sherry. I mean, like I said before, it's a, it's a move they had to make to do what they want to do. And um, just to the earlier point of Hagelin, too, I kind of see this as a numbers game as well. But, you know, with Hagelin, Mark, I don't understand the, the the need or want to move him. Like, he very easily could be better in that spot at $4 bucks than anybody they're going to go out and try to acquire. It almost seems like it's making a trade just for the sake of making a trade. No, no question. I think he and Rust are the pace cars. And if they yes. start the season with both, I think that's a good thing. Now, who's the third-line center, Broussard or Shane? They brought Shane back. Shane played ahead of Broussard in the playoffs, but I do think Broussard was banged up. So what's the depth chart look like at third and fourth line center? Yeah, I think it's going to be Broussard and then Shane. Um, I think that's that's the the best way they can align things. Um, I think the interesting part is going to be whether Mike Sullivan decides to play Phil Kessel with Kenny Malkin or not. And then what do you do with Phil? Because, I mean, if, if he wants to go away from that, all of a sudden you've got Broussard and Kessel and you basically have to make that work because Sid and Phil – has never worked, and I don't think the two of them really love playing together all that well. So, you know, I think you probably go Broussard, and I would say Hornquist to start and try it, and maybe try Sprong up on that top line with Gensel and Sid, but that worries me from a defensive standpoint, and if I get any sort of inkling that those guys are going to be giving up a ton, I think I might switch Sprong and Hornquist. Well, who is going to be Sid's right wing? Because he doesn't like playing with Hornquist. He never plays with Kessel. I'm not sure he'd like playing with a rookie sprung, so who's left? Yeah, I mean, that, he's going to have to pick the lesser of three evils at that point. Because it can't you know, be I Rust. I mean, I think Rust has earned, you know, a top nine forward spot, but not Sid's right wing. I just, Rusty's played there. I think he's proven he doesn't have the skill. I think the ideal spot for Rust is next to Broussard, Mark. I think third line left wing is a, a role that is perfectly suited to him, because I mean, you're not going to move Gensel. I've really liked Hagelin with Malkin. I mean, let's figure Rust is on that third line left wing spot, and then I, I guess Sid's going to have to either pick Sprong or Hornquist. Who do you want? And Sullivan might override it if Sprong, Gensel, and Sid end up getting crushed defensively. What if he picks Simone? <laughs> Simone will be in the owner's box talking to Burkle. It'll be all right. I, I hope you're right, but Sid likes playing with Simone. You know that, right? I know, I know that, and he was one. Of, I'm sure you've talked about this on your show, but I've heard it a few times this summer that Sid was the reason that Simone got as much ice time as he did. He kept fighting for him and saying he wanted to play with him, and 
I don't know if Suits should be allowed to make lineup decisions after those those ones. That's right. His coaching privilege should be revoked. Uh, now, you mentioned Rust at left wing, and I'm not crazy about him on that side, but they might have to make do with him there to start the season. I think the third line's going to wind up being Rust, Broussard, and Sprong. What do you think? I'm fine with that. I'm absolutely fine with that. And who would your top line be? You'd just tell Sid he has to play with Hornquist? Yeah, Sid, Horny, and Gensel. Yeah, I'm fine with that, man. Haglin, Malkin, and Gino. Uh, honestly, I think that's a really good way to start, Mark. Hagl- like- Haglin, Malkin, Kessel. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, not I'm sure. Not I'm not sure, sure Gino's so. enamored of Kessel, like Kessel's enamored of Gino. But I think Haglin ties that line together to everyone's satisfaction. He does. He does. And, and you know what? I wouldn't be hesitant either to break up that line if they stop, you know, shooting the puck and they start doing this puck sharing crap. I mean, somebody's got to shoot it, and if that becomes a problem, I would separate it immediately. And at that point, you're looking at Zach Aston, Reese Shea, and probably your acquisition on the fourth line. Um, that's a pretty darn good lineup. Now, uh, despite all the speculation, it's still out there like crazy, Mackay. I don't sense Jim Rutherford's going to make a big trade. I think he had been looking, but I don't think a big trade's going to happen between now and the start of camp. Do you? No, I don't. I, I don't think it will. Um, I think we we can cool off the Kessel stuff. I. You know, I think some teams are calling Jim. I think he's getting some some offers, proposals, or whatever. Like I know he got a call from Carolina. They you know, there was something in there involving Jari that ended up not working out. Um, but you know, I, I don't think Jim really wants to do anything other than add a small piece. I'm not saying he won't do anything, but I think ideally he's very happy with the way this team looks right now, and he you know like to add a forward for between one and two million bucks on Sunday. I think he'll be able to do that. But I agree with you. Uh, a big trade probably ain't happening. Well, that's the great thing about Jim, though. He listens to everybody. He doesn't dismiss trading anybody except for his very top pieces. And if he loses a trade, he doesn't let ego get the best of him and keep him from undoing it. He just looks at building the team. Really, of all the GMs I've worked with here in Pittsburgh, he's the one who most looks at the big picture. He absolutely does. And I think that GMs can get too caught up in like how a move might make them look if that makes sense like and i go back to the mike johnson thing like firing him as a coach you're saying hey i went out on a limb and hired this guy and i screwed it up but here we go you know i'm going to go on to my next coach a year and a half in or whatever but good on him for doing it you know and, and the same thing with the hunwick stuff the Niemi stuff the reed stuff like he had a really bad summer last year and he somehow got out from under all of that all of those things so yeah i think that's a very good um way of putting it, and it's a strength of Rutherford's for sure. Makai, great stuff. We'll talk soon. My pleasure, Mark. Thanks for having me. That's Jason Mackey. Check out his work at postgazette.com. Up next, I don't know, what do you want to talk about? 105.90X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark, big fan, big fan. Good show. Like the uh, entertainment. There'd be candy bars, lollipops, and the occasional nickel. VX at 105.9. Double M on the X, 412333WXDX is the number to call. Or you can tweet at me. I like that phrase, you can at me, at Mark Madden X. Thanks to Jason Mackey for joining me. I, I hope we put a little bit of that Jack Johnson stuff in proper perspective because there's just no reason for anybody to be upset about that acquisition, let alone upset to the degree uh, some people seem to be. He's getting $3 million and some spare change. That's nothing. Five years is maybe a year too long. 
But all in all, if it cost them less per year because they added an extra year, that helps under the cap in the present, and that's all they're thinking about is right now. He's versatile enough. He could play with Schultz or he could play with Alexiak. They could even out the bottom two pairs or go with Alexiak and Johnson in a very physical bottom pair. I just don't see what all the dissatisfaction is about. I see even less possibility thereof today than I have when I found out about the signing a few days back. If you want to complain, feel free to call up and complain. I just don't see a reason to. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, Dan Rosen, our buddy from NHL.com, was on Stan Saverin today. And he said that Grabner's going to cost as much as everybody thinks and that he can play left wing as easily as he can right. The last I disagree with. Nobody can play one wing as easily as they can the other. Everybody has a better wing. And it's the wing that they have more experience at. And in Michael Grabner's case, that is the right wing. No question. Whether he could, I don't know. It would be nice to think he could, but we don't know for sure. And as far as what he costs, that I'm intrigued by. If he would cost only $3 million, boy, that's a good deal. But don't think he's going to cost... More than $3 million? I don't see how he couldn't. I mean, we'll see. Maybe it'll sort itself out where Rutherford could make a move. But, but you know, for what they need him to do, Haglund serves just about as well as, well, I hate to say that. Grabner's a better player. I mean, he scores goals. Haglund doesn't. But Haglund, with his defense and his forecheck and his skating, he kind of ties that Kessel and Malkin line together if, indeed, that's what they want to go with. Now. Let's say Sully clings to the notion, I really hope he doesn't, but let's say he clings to the notion that they should divide the three stars up and have balance. It's funny to say Hagman's less valuable in that case. His most valuable spot is playing on a line with Kessel and Gino. If they divide the three stars up, Hagman, to me, has significantly less value. Let's go to Josh and Beaver. Josh, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Yo, what up, man? What up, man? Hey, I just wanted to comment on the Jack Johnson trade. I, I think he's going to be a great asset for the Penguins. I mean, given his, uh, you know, being a veteran in the league and seeing how the Penguins like to bring younger guys onto the team, I, I think he'll, you know, help help a lot in our defensive situation, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't hear. I don't think he's, he's Bobby Orr or Doug Harvey, but he, he needs to be a bottom pair defenseman, maybe a number four. Tops. So I, I think he'll be fine. I, I just don't I don't understand the anger. And it is anger on the part of some of the social media dopes because you know he's the number five, number four D. What's the difference? And I keep coming back to people really like Dean Cole. And you know what? That's where Sully was proven right in a weird way. Sully used to be mad because Toll talked to the media all the time, right? Yeah. It was being in front of that camera that made Cole the folk hero among a lot of Penguin fans and got them mad when he left. I really do think that's why. Well, I think whenever you have players that get out there in front of the media, and I mean, look at the Steelers. You got all these, uh, all these, like, I don't know. I don't want to name any names, but they look No, like no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll name names. A.B., Juju Smith-Schuster, they're always on camera, and people love that. 
Yeah, but they're, they're making the team look bad, and they're making. Oh, not, they're, they're I, I don't know. I think I don't think bad. they're making a team look bad. And you know what? I can't criticize AB too much. And boy, this has gone off on a tangent because he's so good. <laughs> yeah. He's so good. Juju, I can criticize because, relatively speaking, he's unproven. Had one good year. And now he's just, you know, I mean, he's campaigning for LeBron to sign with the L.A. Lakers. Like, he has any relevance to that whatsoever. Let's go to Sal in Bloomfield. Sal, you're on with Double M. Hey, uh, I, I had those uh, passion tickets for years. I got on there every uh, every week, and uh, we had a great time. Yep, they you stink. If, 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 you might, if you don't mind crappy football, I'm sure it's terrific. Did you know somebody on the team? No, I had tickets for 15 years, though. They haven't even been around 15 years, Einstein. You're just being difficult. Goodbye. 15 years. 15 years of women's football? You should be in a straitjacket. 412-333-9939. Up next, talking to Bob McLaughlin. And don't forget, at the top of the hour, we have the Penguins' top pick in this year's draft, second-round choice, Kalen Addison. He's in town for the... Prospects Camp. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. You're kidding me. That's ridiculous. You know what? I'm going to skip right to my original thought and just say, this is stupid, you're stupid, thanks for calling. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. A, a tweet I just got, who would you rather have, Grabner or Johnson? Uh, Johnson. They need a defenseman. They don't need yet another right wing. Uh, Bob McLaughlin bought you by... 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Bob, we had the flag football guy on earlier. Uh, they're having the American Flag Football Championships this weekend at Highmark Stadium. Did you ever play flag football? Yeah, played flag football a lot growing up in the backyard, um, but then actually you had to play up at IUP for like a, a couple of credits in gym or something like that. It was a class. Part of a class. Like you had to do all sorts of stuff. Um, I, I'd heard a lot negative about IUP's uh, curriculum, but I never <laughs> thought you could major in flag football. Oh, and it hurt. It was a Thursday morning at 8 a.m. my freshman year. Oh, Yikes. my God. That's why I hate flag football. Now, now when you played as a kid, like uh, growing up in Bethel, did you use flags? Um, No, not really. We had, like, we had. Because kids, when they play pickup, don't have flags. Nobody has a set of flags. You've got to play like. One hand or two hand touch. Exactly. Exactly. I do remember a couple of games where we actually tried to use papers and stuff like that. Um, but papers, like paper, like we would cut strips of newspaper and the we flags. would. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, it was stupid. They fall out all the time. You, you know, you crushed people trying to get them to stop so you could grab the paper. People were getting hurt more than that. You know, more than when we played tackle football. Well, if it led to people getting hurt, then I'm all for it. Uh, don't you agree? Like, there's an amateur division and a pro division. The pro division has ex-NFLers like Michael Vick, uh, Ocho Cinco, Dennis Dixon, the former Steeler quarterback, plays. But the amateurs are composed of guys who are like flag football lifers. The Ramon's Taylor guy we had on played college football at Texas and has been playing competitive flag football since 2009. In the final, which is amateurs against pros, wouldn't you bet on the amateurs? Aren't they more experienced at the game being played? Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you 100% on that one, and it sounded like Ramon's Taylor also uh, agreed with you on that one. Um, that's what they do. And when you watch, I did watch some of this video, and it's crazy the moves that these receive. And he played that flex position, which is quarterback, running back, receiver, anything, because you can, you can throw the ball all over the place right. on that. Um, when they are about to approach a defensive player, Mark, they like – 
squat down and run. They bend their ankles and their knees to get lower because when the people we talk about that, making a move with their hips, it's insane. I have no idea how they get that. And, And if the pros aren't doing this, I mean, if they're not playing flag football all the time, the pros don't know this move. Yeah, and if they do, they're not good at it or can't be bothered. Right. Now, uh, Dennis Dixon playing, you got to admit that's kind of funny. I-, I wish the pros were playing here so Dennis Dixon could finally get a start in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Although I think he started the one game, but you know. Cross the river. Uh, the other uh, point of controversy, uh, we finally find out what the pitching coach for Detroit said to get fired, Chris Bozio. He used the term spider monkey. Said it referred to a white player who contorted himself during workouts, but nobody recalls him calling that white guy that before. The black clubhouse attendant took offense. Bozio got fired, and I get it. I'd fire him too. But boy, Bob, this whole civility thing, you know, never being able to say the wrong thing, when the clubhouse attendant gets the pitching coach fired, it has come a long way, baby. Don't get me wrong, right thing to do, but there was a time they would have told the clubhouse attendant, Look, you're the clubhouse attendant. It's uncomfortable. Shut up. Yeah, I mean, it, it w- if this was 10 years ago, it would have been, hey, get us the bubble gum and sit down. But in this one, I guess in reading some of the other stories out of Detroit, now there's four or five people that say, look, it, it wasn't directed at a white relief Well, pitcher. and he, even his fellow coaches haven't given him an alibi, and they were all right there. Exactly. And they asked this kid, Daniel Stumpf, I believe is his name, this pitcher. They said, have you ever been called that before? He said, no one has ever called me that in my life. That's not my nickname. I don't. I don't but, know really. But still, the guy who picks up underwear got the highly regarded pitching coach fired. Yeah. Hey, and if it's for that reason, then you know more power to him. It's a brave new world, Bob. It certainly is. That's Bob McGaughan, brought to you by eighty four lumber. Just around the corner, we got Penguins prospect Kalen Addison. And uh, I get mad at somebody. Let me let me find that sheet so I can tease it in some vague fashion, designed to keep you listening. I can't find it. The hell with, oh wait, no, LeBron James. I don't like him. 105.9.